Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. We are brought to you by Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and only contain one gram of sugar. I love these things. Um, I am obviously a big fan. If you guys have been listening to this podcast and you've been hearing this ad for Elite Sweets for God knows how long now, and you haven't tried Elite Sweets, get your ass over to Amazon, use code ShaneWhite30, and get 30% off. These donuts are fire. Um, Me and my wife keep these stocked 24-7 in our fridge. They're the best thing ever, especially when you're looking for something that you, like a sweet. You need like a sweet, you want a donut, a cookie, something that's going to taste good, but you know it's garbage for you. Give these things a shot. They're full of protein, and they're honestly, they don't have any of the bad shit. Um, As you guys know, I worked at RX Bar for a long time, and and that was our big thing. These guys are doing this with donuts, but they're doing it by going gluten-free, keto-friendly, and low in sugar. Like I said, they're high in protein. I love them. They're a, a, a guilt-free snack that I use all the time. Again, if you want to try them, you can go to Amazon or EliteDonut.com, and if you use code ShaneWhite30, you'll get 30% off your order on both sites. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. This is also a product, and again, I'm going to pause. I really only, and I, I really will only do this, promise, hand, hand on the chest here. Um, I'm only going to promote products that I use myself and that I love. So you guys can believe Elite Sweets and Routine are two products that I use all the time. Routine has become a daily supplement for me. Um, their morning routine product is their hero product, the one that we talk about on this podcast a lot. It is a single-serve packet that contains um, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, half an organic lemon. It's got Himalayan sea salt. It's full of all six essential electrolytes. And most importantly, and and really the the biggest kicker here that's different than a lot of these uh, hydration products on the market is there's no sugar. I just tear one of these single-serve packs open in the morning first thing, throw it in my water. Uh, It's the first thing I drink when I get up. It rehydrates me. I used to always go for that coffee first thing in the morning. And one of the things coffee does is it takes your body that is already slightly dehydrated from just sweating during your sleep at night to then dehydrating you even more. So by taking something like morning routine, you get rehydrated first thing in the morning. So give routine a chance. Give them a shot. Again, if you guys have been listening to this podcast and you haven't tried routine yet, you need to get your shit together and try routine. <laughs> so go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout to get 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. As you can tell, I'm fired up today. Uh, this has been a great day, but I'm also super fired up for this podcast. If you're listening to this, this episode is dropping live today, Thursday, June 16th, which is, again, a Thursday. Duh. It's the first day of the U.S. Open golf championship. So one of the four golf majors a year, one of my good friends from college, Adam Shank is the guest today. He qualified for his first major championship a few weeks ago at the PGA championship, just qualified two weeks ago for the U S open. So, so first of all, round of applause for my buddy, Adam, this episode is fun. Uh, haven't caught up with him in quite a while. This is his second time coming on the podcast. And to say that his golf game has evolved in the last, call it, year and a half since we talked last time on the podcast is a grand understatement. 
he's uh, honestly, he's killing it. So today I'm dropping this in the evening. He's already completed his first day and it's not quite over yet, but right now he's tied for 26. He shot an even par 70 today and he's only four shots back the lead. So again, he's killing it. And uh, I think you guys are really going to like this episode. Lots of good tidbits and, and wild to hear from a PGA Tour golfer just how they prep, prepare, and get ready for these major championships. So without further ado, give it up for Adam Shank. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, Adam. It was good to reconnect. Um, I'm pumped for you. First of all, I just want to start off with that. Uh, you've been crushing it, dude. It's funny. I have, I don't know how most people keep track of, of golf on their phone, like, you know, watching the tour, but I have, um, I have you marked as, I don't even know if you've ever seen this on the ESPN app. You can mark like golfers you want to follow. And so you obviously, I have like a little star. I followed yours. So every time I, every time a tournament's playing, it'll put like the first three people who are in the lead. And then whether you're in the, you know, if, if you're in the top three, obviously you'd be there. And then if you're not, it'll still put you in like fourth. So every time I'm, every time a tournament's playing, I always, I'm like, all right, Adam's either, you know, in the hunt or whatever. So I always keep <laughs> Eric's having a short week. <laughs> no, <laughs> short week for Adam first week. of all, you haven't had very many short weeks lately. You've been crushing it, dude. Thank you. You've been doing better. Got off to nice start last fall. And then the spring was, you know, historically I've struggled on the West coast and that trend continued again this year, but um, it's all good. You know, getting in the last couple majors, I'm excited for my first U S open. So. Yeah. And you just played it. Um, that was your first PGA too, right? This was the first time you yeah, played in that. Yeah. First. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Cause yeah. this is, this is your, what this for everyone listening. He doesn't know. He hasn't, you know, listened to the other podcast before. What, what year is this technically for you on tour? This is my fifth year on the PGA Tour, so That's kind of crazy. <clears throat> coming to coming to an end of the fifth year. I think there's only like ten events left or so, ten weeks left, maybe. Is that so it? It's it's crazy, yeah, because they, they do the wraparound season. So, well, until the playoffs, oh, yeah. excuse me, until the playoffs. Okay. So then there's three events in the playoffs um, determine you know your FedEx Cup ranking, and that that determines how far you make it. So, um, two you know more than two thirds of, of the way through. So I can't believe it's just goes by so fast. I can't even imagine. I can't believe it. I feel like I just started playing golf like for the summer. And it's crazy that you guys are already kind of in the tail end of yeah. competitive season. Cause do you go, I always thought the U S open was the last major, but is, is the British open the last major of the year? Yes. British open is the last major. I think it's um, maybe two, two, three weeks after probably three weeks after the U S open. So they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty quick. Like all four of them are pretty yeah. I mean, they're not, there's not much time in between. I didn't realize that, I guess. Um, so what's it been like? I mean, yeah, I feel like in the fall, you really started, you started heating up. And then the spring, it seems like every tournament you're in the run, like every single week. I, I don't think there's been more than maybe one or two that you, you haven't made the cut. Is that correct? No, I missed a lot of cuts this spring. I, I play a lot in the spring, um, like on the West coast, because if we come home, um, you know, back to Indiana, the weather's not obviously ideal in January, February sure. practice. So then when we're flying back, you know, it's a day to get back, you know, almost a day to get settled in. And then you have to leave on Sunday. Um, it takes so long to get back and get your body adjusted. So it, it, you only are really home for, you know, four or five days 
um, you know, rather than like a full week off where if you miss a cut, you could come home and take two days off and then a whole week. So it's just logistically a long way to, to travel back and forth. So I kind of play the whole West Coast swing. And then we um, have a place in Jacksonville, Florida. So we'll spend a little bit of time there in the winter. So that makes the, the West Coast or the Florida swing very easy. It is that I didn't realize that. So there's, does the tour try to do like geographies in some sort of way? In the winter, they do just because of weather. So obviously, there's like a you know West Coast swing where it's like um, you know Palm Springs, starting Hawaii, Palm Springs, you know San Diego, Phoenix, LA, um, and then we move to Florida, and then Texas to start starts to get a little warmer after that. Then you go to Texas, and then after that, it's a little bit more all over just with the Midwest and Northeast starting to get some more warm weather, mm-hmm. but definitely January, February, March, they stick to, you know, West coast, Florida, and Texas. Gotcha. Okay. Have okay. To. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, have you felt like golf has just been, has it been different this year? I mean, it seems like you, your, your scores are reflective of obviously improvements you're making to your game, but for people who are listening, who are the, you know, the weekend golfer per se, like for you, what is it, what does it look like year to year? How are you, is it just a constant improvement and a constant tweaking of, of your swing, your putting, your chipping? What are some of the things that are going into the improvements that you're starting to see now on the course? It is. And it seems like it's just a constant, constant adjustment, adjustment, honestly, from like day to day. I mean, some days it's all relative, you know, for how much practice and time and effort and coaching, um, that, that goes into us, you know, being good golfers and playing on the PGA tour. There's, there's still a lot of variables. I mean, some weeks you just, you just don't have it and you, you don't make any putts or there's a certain part of your game that's off. And it's, it's really hard to compete on the PGA tour, any tour when something in your game is, is really off, um, catch a few bad breaks and then you're going to wind up finding yourself right around the cut number or missing a cut. So it's just so many variables, whether, different types of grass, different warmth conditions, you know, raining, um, just a lot of stuff you have to deal with. And in some weeks it, it just doesn't work out whether you did everything right in preparation. Um, and then other weeks you can, you know, have a few things go your way, get hot with the putter and then, you know, find yourself in contention on the weekend. Yeah. So it's just crazy. It's just so dependent on, um, on just a lot of variables. That's why there's so much parody in golf. Yeah. It's tough to win, so. you know, five or six times a year, like Scotty Shuffler's doing. I mean, it's, obviously very impressive but it doesn't happen very often sure no it makes sense has there been has there been any specific part of your game that you're like this year i've just been on fire with that well last fall it was my putting when i finished third in vegas i think i led the field in putting strokes game for the statistics that the pj tour keeps i did well again in putting in, in houston that kind of seems to be the the part of the game that takes me um to the top of the leaderboard if I find myself there, it's usually because of my putting. Um, and then if I putt bad, I usually find myself towards the bottom of the leaderboard. So <laughs> I, I found that um, to hold pretty true. This spring, I kind of struggled with everything and then have recently been starting to get my ball striking um, to where it needs to be to be able to compete week in and week out. And then when my putting has been there, um, which has been struggling a little bit in the last couple months, but you know, it's improving. I feel like I'm hitting good putts. You know, sometimes they just, sometimes the damn thing just won't go in. Seriously. I mean, you hit good putts. Good and they don't go in. Home some, ball. <laughs> some, sometimes you hit bad putts and they break too much or too little and go in. And you're like, that's the worst putt I've hit on this nine holes. And it went in and I've hit two, three good putts, you know, much better than that one. And those didn't go in. So it's a lot of parody. You know, you have to laugh. You know, people say, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So 
it's a long <laughs> season, so uh, you just never know what you're going to get. Some weeks they just seem to go in, and, and other weeks they don't. Sure. No, that makes sense. That that's a ton. Of, that makes a ton of sense. Um, for and then it's funny. I was I was texting you about it. Uh, I played at. I got to play at Medina a few weeks ago, and it's just so it's so crazy. Like, obviously, me being a very very amateur golfer. Um, sometimes just not hitting the fairway can turn into two or three extra shots. And then when you watch you guys on tour, it just seems like, you know, all of you get pissed when you don't hit a nice shot into the fairway off the tee, but you always have a recovery shot. You're fine. And you have another chance at birdie or par. Um, Has that just been something over time, like saving yourself out of bad situations? The more I've studied and watched golf and obviously, you know, knowing you over the years and talking a little bit, it seems like it seems like sometimes that tends to be the difference between really, really good golfers. Like, obviously, there's a lot of things that are different between your level and, and my level. But um, I don't know. It seems like saving a hole when you maybe have one bad shot on a hole versus a lot of us who, you know, bad shot off the tee. You're trying to smack one back out of the fairway. You hit a, hit a limb and then you're, you're back where you started. And you're hitting your third shot. Oh, yeah that type of stuff you know you just never see that on the tour um i don't know it's just so interesting you you hit the nail on the head i mean everybody's good golf is pretty darn good i mean the top guys you know dustin rory jordan scotty when their good golf is really really on i mean they're they're tough to beat john rom you're probably not going to beat john rom around tory pines if he plays his best you're probably just not going to beat him so the, the talent the Honestly, the confidence, the not willing to lose attitude, they're on. It's, it's just tough. But what defines my idea of, uh, you know, a great professional, you know, tournament that you play in and you have to compete in to win, if you can recover from the situations that you put yourself in that are not ideal, that's how you separate yourself from others. So when you get in the rough, that's why a lot of times if you see a ball, you know, diving just into the rough, those are the worst places to miss because you're just off the fairway. So the sprinklers are right there off the fairway. So that grass is the tallest and there's no people walking there. So mm. if you miss it, you know, 10 or 15 yards, right now you've got people there where the grass is trampled down. So a lot of times you'll see somebody get really upset, maybe in the U S open or a tournament where the rough's long. Yeah. Then, you know, from the rough for one, I'm screwed already. The greens are firm. Now I can't probably get to the green. If I can get to the green, I can't spin it enough to stop it. So then it's just about, you know, damage control. How do I give myself a chance to make par without completely ruining my golf score? Uh-huh. Which you said, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's just, I mean, it's got to be somewhat similar to, you know, to business life. When everything's going good for companies, everything's, it's fine. Everybody handles the good pretty well. It's how, how good can your bad be? And I think that's exactly what defines professional golf especially i'm guessing that lends itself to other areas but definitely i can speak on golf being that it's it's almost not how good your good shots are it's how bad how bad are your bad ones yeah that's a it can't be too bad that's a great way to think about it for and for you like that's a good example so if you're in the rough and you have you have a green that's hittable on your second shots you're like on a par four and to your point, you say the, the, the greens are, are firm. So what's, what's your, like for the, for the average golfer who's listening to this, what, what's your, 
what's your play? Like, how are you, how are you approaching? And obviously it depends on the hole and everything else, but. Of course, always so I'll run you through, always different. I'll run you through a couple scenarios. So let's say it's the front pin and the greens are really firm. Maybe the green, you know, pitches, it's pretty level. So it's not like there's a backstop where you can like hit something and spin it back. So then you have to, if you leave it just short in the rough, you're, you're toast. You have to, um, you'd have to lay it up to 80, 90 yards where you can spin it, land something at the pin. It's going to take one bounce and then two bounces and then spin back. If there's a bunker short, now you have an option to try and press it up in that bunker because you can spin it a little bit from the, from the sand all the while. Oh, so you might try to actually go for the sand. Might try because the sand is 95 times out of a hundred. The sand is always better than the rough because you can, you can hit closer to the ball. You can get ball to club contact. Okay. Um, But you go for the sand and now you miss the sand. Now you're in the rough. So now you're like, wow, I, I, you know, I took on some risk. It didn't work out. Now I know (laughs) I'm screwed. So yeah, now I'm hitting yeah. it to 20 feet, but you kind of, you know, you see some guys get upset when they do that. And, and obviously I do the same, but like you knew the risk going into it. If you didn't pull it off, you know, you knew there's a chance you're going to hit in the rough. So it's really nothing new to you. You knew there was a chance it was going to happen. Right. So if anything, you should get mad, you know, at the shot that puts you in the rough with, you know, with your driver or something. Um, and if it's a back pin now, it's totally different because now you would almost rather be in the rough. Um, because you just chunk something out and it runs up to the pin and the sand. Now you're hitting a 30 yard possible bunker shot where you have to chunk it out of the sand as well. Um, because no, most sand shots you hit, they take one or two bounce and spin yeah. to a back pin. That's not what you want. You want something rolling out. Um, oh, true. Okay. Okay. So the, uh, obviously the more spin you put on it from the sand, the closer you're hitting to the ball and the closer you hit to the ball means every once in a while, you're actually going to hit the ball first and it's going to go 80 yards over the green out of bounds into the people, which is always embarrassing. But it, I mean, it people, happens yeah. a couple times a year. <laughs> I was going to say the, the people, the people aspect scares me more than any other component of watching you guys play. Um, I don't know how you, was that a weird thing to get used to? Cause you probably had a lot of that even in college, right? I, I actually never, funny enough. I never yeah. went to like an event at Purdue. I should have done that, but <laughs> It's funny, That's right? I think right. back. Was, I'm like, why the, did I never? Why didn't we never, uh, never come over there? That would have been they, a fun, they, like, they, you know, I don't know. Well, they were on Saturdays, and we were doing. Most people were doing other things on Saturdays. You could do those things at a golf event, I would assume. Maybe so not. You, you, you could have done them before at at, uh, at breakfast club, and then come out, and then you know, really added some excitement. I don't know why that was which, not a thing. We should bring this back to Purdue. There should be a new thing. We we should because it, it would have added <laughs> some excitement to the golf because it's pretty damn boring. Um, you like our parents were there meets breakfast club at Purdue type of situation. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. You could watch, watch the Purdue groups go through the turn and then, and then leave. You know, you came and did your, uh, did your golf diligence and said hi and, and yeah. left and back to, back to the activities. That's hilarious. <laughs> but the, the, the people yeah, in college, not a lot of people watching parents, coaches, maybe some fans. I mean, just, you know, a couple Purdue fans here at Ohio State, a couple of Ohio State fans, whatever, you know, a lot of Big Ten tournaments we played in. Sure. So a little bit of that, but like at the PGA, you know, Tiger was there. So many people, you can always tell where he was at on the course. Um, on Saturday, he played maybe three or four groups in front of me. And I, you could just always tell when he did something. Um, couldn't always tell, you know, if it was a birdie, a, a great shot, but anything that he did, that was a, a, a darn good golf shot, which, you know, almost getting his leg amputated 
you know, yeah. a couple of years ago, whenever it was. I mean, just the fact that he's made the cut the first two majors is might be his best accomplishments. I agree. Honestly, I, I don't yeah. know how he did it. I mean, he just looked like he was in pain watching him chip um, on the chipping ground Saturday and walk around the putting green, getting his ball out of the hole. I mean, he just was in pain. And obviously with your Sunday, but um, on the weekend, I think I had a span on, I think it was on Saturday where I hit, I think I hit four people in nine holes and I had to like give away a glove. You give away a ball or a glove. And this I'm to the, the point where I'm that, like, I had to switch. From, I gave away. Yeah. I gave away three gloves and I'm like, I have to stop giving away gloves now. And then the next time I hit somebody, only two of them were on the fly and, and neither of them were bad, thankfully. But you know, I had to, <laughs> I started giving away, you know, I'm like, I, I can't give away any more gloves. I don't, you know, I don't have them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been raining. So a lot of them are wet and ruined. Um, but I'm like, I had to give away balls. So I was, I was kind of joking with the fan, but it's, when they're all lined down the right side of the fairway and you know where they're at, they've been there all week and you hit one right and they're right in the landing zone. I mean, if there's, you know, three or 400 people, it's impossible not to hit somebody. Yeah. I mean, you just know it's going right for them and you're like, please don't kill somebody. Please don't hit anybody in the head. Oh my goodness. Cause you know, it's, you know, it's going to hit somebody, whether it's on the fly or the bounce, it's going to. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a, always it's a very uncomfortable not, feeling. Is there ever like serious injuries out there? I never feel like I hear about them. You think it'd be way more common? You think it would be? I mean, people get hit in the head a lot of times. Like I saw, saw somebody get hit in the head, you know, off like a, a low pull hook drive. Ooh. I don't know how fast the ball's going, but I mean, in the hundreds of miles an hour, you know, probably 140 miles an hour, hitching the head, and a couple times they've been up there bleeding, but like oh, yeah. fully conscious. Like one, of the, like I saw a guy get hit in Japan, and he wasn't even sitting down; he just had like a sock on his head. And like they were bringing him an ice pack and he was just standing up going around and he got hit like right on top of the head and it just cut him right where his hairline met. And oh, wow. He was totally fine. I mean, maybe he had a concussion. I'm not sure, but you think he would be something that would like render you unconscious. But yeah, you think, I mean, they're coming in hot. <laughs> coming in hot. I don't know how somebody hasn't been, you know, seriously, seriously injured. It's like at a baseball game when they, you know, righty pulls one down the left field line into the, you know, into the third base or third base yeah. seats. Like 100%. baseballs, I mean, Baseball's probably worse. Harder, bigger, you know, heavier. I mean, that that would hurt more than a golf ball. So yeah. I don't know how people don't get, you know, they reach up and try and grab it with their fingers. And, yeah. you know, it seems like you just have like a couple broken fingers every baseball game. But you, you maybe think. it happens and we don't hear about it. And it is, this is going to sound grim, but when you if you do end up like pulling one or fading one and, and sending it into the crowd, does it ever actually help? Because you might have hit someone and it kind of stopped versus – I'm envisioning some of my horrible tee shots. I mean, I'm talking like if I really pull one and I'm trying to trying to, you know, hit it as hard as I can for some dumb reason and I end up fading it, it it's going to the next fairway. It's not even like just off to the to the right. It's <laughs> absolutely it's always helpful when when spectators are there. For one, it can kick back towards the fairway. Two, yeah. it doesn't keep going further right unless it hits somebody and then continues to go right, which I mean it doesn't happen. And probably the most importantly, three is when it does finish and the people, they, their feet have been trampling down that grass all week long. Right. So now you're hitting off of a firm surface where you can get the back of the ball rather than having, you know, lush grass there where you can't do anything with the ball. It's just sure. coming out um, with no spin. So that's, that's the biggest difference. But it's the feeling of it being in the air and, and knowing that you're potentially going to really hurt somebody. Is a yeah. very it's a very uncomfortable feeling because you know you've seen them there all week. You know there's you know a couple thousand people like right on 
like right on seven, for example, the PGA, and everyone misses it right on seven with PGA. The fairway slopes that way, the wind was off the left. So basically everyone just kind of hits it over there and you're just like, you know, four and you're just like, you know, holding your head, just like watching. Oh and no. It, it always lands in, in the middle of the people. And sometimes it hits somebody in the leg and you always get up there and they're crowded around and Hey, did it hit anybody, you know, no, or yeah. And then you sign a glove and, and, and go on your way. Yeah. That is so interesting. I didn't know you sign a glove every time. That's so, so funny. I, I do. I think most people do something, especially if you like, if you hit somebody and they've got a big welt, like I hit a dude like right in the shoulder and he had a, a he had a nasty welt. Okay. So, I, I mean, you just feel bad. So oh, the, for sure. It's yeah, the least yeah. we can do, but I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a very good consolation for them. You know, you know, if Tiger Woods hits you and you get a glove from him, like that's pretty cool, but Hey, yours might glove. be worth something someday, man. Don't discount it. <laughs> I better start playing better, but maybe you're working on it. Um, on what, it. what was it like for you? I wanted to ask. So, I mean, obviously it's interesting. I've been paying a lot more attention this year than I think I do in a typical year, but even like the PGA, the field is obviously a little smaller. If I, if I'm not mistaken, you have some people who aren't on the normal tour events that qual that are just that they either have won the PGA or I'm not sure exactly how the qualifying works, but like, I think John Daly was a good example of he was there at the PGA, but he's not like running around the tour. He's on the masters now. What was, what's it, what was it like, like qualifying for your first PGA? I'm sure that was a crazy feeling. Um, I mean, it's gotta be just a huge accomplishment just in itself. It was great. I mean, I found out on Saturday, the week before, um, so two days before the week started, I was at Byron Nelson and Davis Love with Drew with a toe injury. So hmm. I, that's how I got in. I had a good feeling I was going to get in because Bryson was still in the field. He was hurt. Um, Paul Casey was still in the field and he'd been hurt for a long time. Harris English was still in the field and he was hurt for a long time. So I think, I think like six or seven people got in the field past me. But like you said, definitely a huge accomplishment getting the first major out of the way. And then, you know, once I was there, it's like, all right, you know, it's great to be here, but let's, you know, let's try and do a little damage while we're here. Um, pretty sick golf course. So playing four rounds, um, you know, was, would be a great accomplishment for me getting in the tournament late, you know, never, never knowing if I was going to be in that week was, you know, maybe a little distracting. It's a little more difficult to prepare when you don't know what you're going into, you know, am I going to play? Am I not going to play? Sure. So had a, had a good first couple of days, um did nice you ever cut. did you ever played there before sorry i had not i had no. not okay but it was i heard it was difficult and it was the greens were just very extreme um the craziest slopes i've ever played on but i mean it's very fair you could you could advance the ball from the rough but a lot of times back hole seven if you were in the rough you couldn't hardly think about hitting the green you just mm. had to play your shot basically short in the bunker or just short the green and chip it on um because it was just so difficult and so penal. If you got in the wrong position, bogey was a good score. Oh, wow. Okay. Got it. Very interesting. What was the, what was kind of the highlight or the biggest takeaway for the weekend for you? I mean, obviously, I mean, you not only made it, but you made the cut and you played great. What'd you, did you get 40, 41st? You got, you know, funny. First, yeah. do you know why I remember that? And I will always remember why you got 41st funny, fun fact here. Okay. I, I placed a bet that you would, you'd place in the top 40. So oh sun- my gosh. I never told you this. So Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, I'm sitting there and I'm like, he's right here. Come on, Adam. You got this. And I, <laughs> bogey, bogey. Oh, I was no. watching live. And I think, did you bogey 18? I bogeyed 17 and 18. That's right. 18, That's right. Eight, 18 is a very reasonable bogey. It is. 17 is a very unreasonable bogey. I wasn't mad about 18. I remember, I remember oh. you, I, I, cause you weren't on the, you weren't on like the actual, 
the stream I was watching. And then I looked down and I was like, I was like, come on, just get a par, get a par on 17. <laughs> It was it was just so funny because you know what is what's the chances like I randomly picked top forty and you got forty first I was like you gotta be fucking kidding me you know that's what it is hell of a hell of a a tournament though man I mean congratulations finishing forty first in that tournament is I mean beyond impressive I'm sure that was a crazy feeling I mean they gotta be so cool it was cool cool to get there Um, made a nice putt on the 18th hole on. Friday to to know I made the cut. If I if I two putted, I was pretty sure certain I was going to make the cut. But making that putt was a good feeling. Um, nice. Left a pretty bad taste on mouth bogeying the last two holes. I think I was whatever place I was in. Seventeen was a, a birdie hole. Just hit some bad shots. But all in all, pretty darn good week. Um, first major, first cut. So getting those things out of the way. You know, hopefully you know more to come and, and playing next week in the open. But you know, I hadn't played a major up up until him so it was it was i was due to get it you know out of the way yeah no absolutely one yeah did um did that leave a little burning fire in you i'm sure just knowing you can you know i mean i think as soon as i have to imagine for you and for anyone on the tour like qualifying for your first major and then not just qualifying but making the cut like you're playing you're playing as good of golf as anyone in the world right now so that's got to be a it's gotta be a hell of a feeling and then qualifying for the U S open. Congratulations for everyone watching this Thank when this you. comes out. I mean, that's coming up and you just, you just found out that last weekend, right? That you qualified again. Um, yeah, I did. Um, U S open qualifying is 36 holes. It was Monday. So I think, I think they called like the longest day in golf. It's always after the Memorial I mm. played Memorial and then I played in Columbus, Ohio after, um, the day after the Memorial was over on Sunday. So it got through there. Um, yeah, I think there's, I don't know how many different sites there are, but there is a lot and 36 holes for everybody. So I think they call it like the longest day in golf. God, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. And you did well at the Memorial too. Didn't you finish in the, you finished like 20 something. 26. Yeah. Damn. Nice job, man. Week. Which that's, a, that's a tough field too. That field was stacked. Good, good field. And the course was tough. Was it? Yeah. Tell you what, man, you're playing on fire right now. It's great. Congratulations. And then the yep. U S opens in Massachusetts, right? In a couple of weeks. Yes, it's in, nice. in Boston at Brookline. Have you played there before? I actually have. Um, so it's one of like the bigger courses that I have played. Because um, a lot of times, like you know, Congressional, Marion, all these U.S. Open, PGA courses, I, I haven't played because they're not in the normal, you know, PGA Tour rotation. Yeah, and I haven't played many majors. So I played a U.S. Amateur there in 2013. So I remember a little bit about it. I'll probably remember more once I get back there and, you know, just reminisce. Yeah. But um, I remember being a pretty, you know, a very sweet course. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And hard. That's so fun. Is it a hard one? I remember being really hard. Yeah. Yeah. This, this means you got to just hit, hit the fairways, hit, less, hit the greens. Or hit more fairways, right? It, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not just hit the fairways, hit the greens. And, yeah. Oh, well. It's a, that'd be a good recipe for U.S. Opens. I think I have never played in one, so I'll have to, I'll have to gonna, report back. Yeah, so I was going to say, so for everyone listening to you, I think this is something really cool that I wanted to ask you was, so this is going to be your your second major, your first U.S. Open. What does it look like for Adam Shank as your, you know, what do you have, two weeks, I think? What do you, what's like the preparation look like? So I took this week off, was supposed to play in the Canadian Open, um, to just practicing at home you know doing a little resting up because i have been playing a lot of golf but we leave on sunday for boston direct flight from indianapolis which is clutch nice so I have to connect so bags hopefully won't get lost 
that'd be good. That'd be bad. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, a, don't get lost. Does it ever happen? You before. lose your golf bag, like not getting transferred. I, the, the the one time I did lose, I didn't lose my golf clubs. We we were on a direct flight to where we flew into. It was from Indianapolis. I want to say maybe it was to Toronto. I'm not exactly certain, but I lost my clothes. So then I had to like go buy all new golf clothes, which golf clothes are so expensive. I didn't, I didn't realize how expensive oh, yeah. they were. Um, Cause Under Armour just sends me some stuff, you know, a couple shipments every year and um, go on my way. But then I had to get logos put on them and I didn't get my clothes until I think it was like Saturday. So my contacts were the biggest problem. Oh so, yeah. And if, if your clubs don't show up at a normal event, like if they get lost for some reason, they can build you new stuff. Obviously oh. you still have to get used to it. But sure. um, sometimes the close is like, you know, almost a bigger deal. If you see guys like not being able to go on the course and practice or um, just because they have, you know, they have the clothes that they wore to the airport. So oh, sure. you'll yeah. see some, you'll see some, I think they allow you on the range. You can hit balls, but I don't know that you can go on the course unless you like buy clothes. So a lot of, you know, you'll see guys out there and just, you know, store-bought clothes, which is, you know, more than fine. But, you know, then you know, figuring out the logos um, for your sponsors. Um, cause of course, when you don't have your logos on, that's the week you'll play good and be on TV. So, yeah, 100%. Not really. <laughs> but, but that's the only time I've, I've had something lost for a significant amount of time. I'm traveling to an event. Gotcha. So you'll get there. What are you getting there a week early? No, it's, it's next week. It's next. Week. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. So you, or you this, get... this, this coming week, wherever you look at it, I guess. Yeah. So you're going to fly in on a Sunday and then you, you basically have Monday. I'm sure. Is there a bunch of shit you got to do on Tuesday, Wednesday and I don't think so. Maybe, no, maybe a couple sponsor, you know, meet and greets. Um, but other than that, no, there's no pro-am. So I'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you know, to practice, I'll probably see the golf course. I'll probably go play nine holes on Monday. Maybe might touch them on Monday and then do not, I'll probably touch them on Monday, nine holes, Tuesday, nine holes, Wednesday, and then, get after it. I, I think it's important probably not to wear yourself out before it starts. Cause it's going to be pretty mentally draining. I'm guessing. No, oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I've heard. So, you know, just preparing the best you can without almost trying too hard, I guess. Sure. Wearing yourself out before the actual tournament starts. I'll say that'll be a, a big challenge. Yeah, no, I bet you actually, do you pay attention to your whoop? I saw you're still wearing your whoop. You still do a lot of that as you're prepping in going into the weekend. I, a little bit. I actually haven't had my whoop charge in a couple of weeks. So I've been lazy. I'm going to do it today though. So I'm it's just on, but not doing anything. It's, exactly. It's just on. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> you still have the old one too. Lazy. Isn't that the 3.0? Lazy, lazy again. It's free. It's, I know. It's I know. I know. <laughs> there's there's a the whoop lady with the PGA tour. We just have to email and get it. But I mean, I think besides like the it being smaller and you know, the sleep thing that wakes you up, I've heard yeah. it's, it's basically, I've heard it's the same. Minus it's a, those, it's, yeah, there's like things. two new features that I honestly don't think I've ever looked at. Something with skin temperature, and you know what? The, the worst part though, and I'm not—I actually do love Whoop, so I'm not trying to uh, shit on it. But this morning is a good example. I've been using the alarm because it is nice, but today just didn't go off for some reason. So I, you know, thank God I just woke up naturally. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, normally it vibrates. It's it's a pretty hard vibrate, but just randomly, I swear, every time I have like an early meeting or something in the morning that I have to get up for versus just like normally I get up early to work out. It always, it doesn't go off. I don't know why. So I don't rely on it. Like I always either wear an Apple watch to bed that vibrates or I have to put my phone alarm on. Um, so I don't know. 
goofy. So it's not waking you up accordance to time. It's waking you up accordance to your sleep cycle. Is that correct? You can set it up for either or. So you can set it up for an exact, which I had it for an exact time. So I had it going off at six this morning and it just and didn't it just go off. Never went off. No, yeah. I should look and double check why, but it did not for some, and it just randomly doesn't go off or that, or I literally sleep through it, which I doubt, but I could have, I guess maybe I just, so I gotta ask, I gotta ask you a couple of questions. So I yeah. follow you on social media. Okay. All your All channels. Right. So you do, you do like the mile streak day, the lunge streak day. You've done like a push up you know, max until fail streak day. Yeah. What, what day are you on of all that? When do you do it? Like what, what makes you want to continue to do that? Cause I'm just like, dude, that's really impressive to do that every day for 600 days in a row or however oh, many I days you do it. it. How do yeah, you, no, I like, appreciate it. What gets you going? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty motivated by that. Like it's really, really impressive. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, what's funny. It was, there's a guy that I started following when we were at Purdue. It was me and Andrew used to do these workouts. So this guy, his name's Corey Gregory. He's been on this podcast before. He he started a supplement company called Muscle Farm back in the day, which when we were in college, if you remember, was like a it was like a pretty big supplement company. It was like the green and black logo MP. Um, he's the one that kind of started doing this daily lunge thing. And I started researching it and following him a little bit. And it the reason I started doing it was it just becomes a daily, a daily thing that you just, there's no reason you can't. So for me, it was, I started doing it, you know, you do it for five, a week straight, you do it for seven days. And it's like, Oh wow. Like your, your legs are toasted. It's the best cardio you could ever do. Um, I always tell people that and then tell people try it. No one believes me. Like I've run a marathon. I've done some of those like longer distance things and just like normal, what normal people would do with cardio and it never touches the amount of sweat and just pure exhaustion you get from doing body weight lunges. So 800, it, 800 meters, right? Yeah. So two laps around a track. Yeah. Yeah. And what I ripped through your legs. They're, they're pretty ripped. Yeah. They're, they're like, <laughs> they're kind of, they're so strong now. That's the, so the funny thing is, and I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. So the reason I started doing them in the first place was I had heard that if you're having knee issues, it's like one of the best ways for like rehabilitating your knees without getting like a surgery done. So I ran the New York city marathon in 2017, didn't train properly. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Totally destroyed both my knees. Like my knees were just, they were just beat up. I could barely run when I got home, like even Man. doing like normal squatting, anything just was excruciatingly painful. So I started doing the lunging, um, as a way to just build up strength back in my knees. And then you hit, sorry, dude, can you hear me? We're back. Yeah. All right, we're back. Out. Sorry, everybody. I, um, for some reason, zoom changed their, I don't know what it is. All of a sudden the last two zoom meetings I've had, it's asking me that I need to upgrade. If I want to go for longer than 40 minutes, I don't know. I guess I have to pay for it now. Dumb thing. So you have to pay for longer than 40 minutes. Okay. I guess. Right. I'm like, what a what a way to just ink out some extra cash, huh? There you go. Seriously, right? Business. But I was trying so so I was talking about the lunging. So lunging is um yeah, did 10 days in a row. And when you do 10 days in a row, like you just finally get out of the like excruciatingly painful, I can't sit on the toilet feeling of lunging that far for that long. And also the 800 meters was, wasn't what I did at first. The first, I think almost year I did 400 meters. So one lap and it's not, okay. it's not a speed thing. It's a quality thing. So for most people, 400 meters would probably take 20 minutes or so to get around the track. And you, you think about like running around one lap, isn't that far, but lunging is far. 
Uh, well, a yard at a time. That's that's going to take forever. Yeah, oh exactly. Gosh. So did it for, I think I ended up doing it for a month. And then at that point I was like, all right, if I can do this for a month, I can keep going. The cool thing about lunges is it doesn't matter if you're traveling for golf, if you're at the beach, at the lake, like you can always do lunges in place or like along wherever you are, right? Like if you're in a hotel, you could do it in your room. You could do it in the hallway, whatever you might, you get some goofy looks, um, but you can do them. Sure. And so it became this thing where it was like a non-negotiable for me of like, even if I can't get to the gym, I can at least do my lunges for 20, 30 minutes a day. Um, so it just became this thing. And so it happened for a year. And then after a year, I was like, I'm going to bump it up. So then I turned it to 800 meters. So two laps instead of one. And then I did that for a full year. And so now I'm on year three, which is crazy. Cause I feel like I've you only, did, you, you didn't miss a day. No, no. I have a reminder in my phone because I almost missed one not long ago. Like I, we traveled somewhere, we traveled home and then we had, a, I had a few drinks, which is the funniest thing. And I was like, fuck, I did not lunge this morning. It was like an early flight and it's something got delayed and we were just, well, it was one of those days. So, um, no man. Yeah. I haven't I've done it every day. And then, um, and then this year I was like, I just want to keep going. So then I added pushups and I don't post about it as often because it's, it's a bunch of shit to type out. But I'm on, what's, what's the day of lunges? I'm trying to figure out, let's see, today. Have you, done yet? you have not done them yet today. I have not done them today. Today is 889, okay. which is crazy. So I want to do something. If I get to a thousand, that will be cool. Um, and then let's see, pushups today's 160. And then I started doing these, like the, the other thing I added was um, sled walk, like pulls, like walking backwards with a sled or just walking backwards. Um, this is, I actually haven't said anything about this publicly, but this is my like secret. The reason I'm doing that's not just for the sake of doing it. It's um, I've been, and you've, you've probably seen this. I can't remember whoever at the co-rec together. I am the whitest person of all time when it comes to jumping. Like I just have no ups whatsoever. And so I just can't, I don't know why I've I've just never been a guy that can jump or not know how, but doing the lunging plus the backwards walking is building muscle on the front of my knee. And so I want to be able to dunk like that's like what I, I just want to be able to like throw one dunk down. So and I actually could get I can get pretty high now. Like it's been crazy only doing it for, you know, a little over 100 days, how much higher I can jump. You can can you touch rim. I can touch rim. Yeah. OK. So that's I got it. I know. That's awesome. Exactly. Even I, just if you did lunges like 400 meters, I do it. Would build, it it's weird. It builds up strength in your glutes, in your quads, in your actually the big thing for you would be interesting. And I, cause um, I talked to Scott Stallings about this a little bit is it builds a lot of lower back strength, which I would imagine for you would be super helpful. I would, I would think so. That's where yeah. a lot of my, when I do have pain, um, it is in lower back. Do you ever follow or heard of like the, knees over toes guy that's where i got the the backwards the, the backward yeah. yeah yeah you follow him too because we I, I i do and like i i mean i believe in a lot of stuff i mean he is a freak athlete he's nuts i mean he's Which nuts is, the things he can do did you ever have you ever watched some of his early stuff he, he talks about it a lot today but he he was he played basketball competitively i think he might have played in college but then he got hurt and when he, after he got hurt, it was like, he was like us. Like he, I mean, you know, he could play, but like, he couldn't really jump. He couldn't do all this stuff. And it's crazy. The amount of like turnaround he's done just from doing the stuff he does, like the backward sleds and the different mm-hmm. movements he does. Yeah. That guy's nuts. He goes to show just like the, the, the normal 
stigma behind some of the things you do in the gym is, doesn't really translate to actual, you know, ability yeah. to perform. Yeah. Yeah. The backwards. Cause I guess we're always training our weight, you know, train our, you know, forward, which is great, but like the knees over toes is the mobility and getting that full range of motion. And then going, you know, backwards is the way we never go to strengthen all those, you know, the other way, which I mean, how many, how many people do backwards sled pulls or backwards sled pulling something? Yeah. I haven't done it in years. Yeah. Right. For I bought year. one for the garage. Yeah. And I can't tell you how hard the first, the first couple of days you're like, what are these muscles in my legs that I've never used? Like it's so even just, I put a, if I don't have time to do the sled or it's funny cause I do the sled in our street, but our street is like kind of busier when it gets later in the day. So if I don't do it in the morning, I just do, um, I throw a weight vest on and I basically just walk backwards down my driveway, like back and forth for 12 rounds. And even that it's crazy. Like try to jog, like kind of like jog backwards with any sort of weight in your hand or weight on you. It's, um, it's crazy how hard that is. Yeah. It works a whole different thing, man. I might, might do some backwards sled. I actually have a new sled area at the gym. I go to in Vincent sometimes. So I might, uh, Oh yeah. Day Just one, day one. I want to I want to start seeing some one streaks from you. That's impressive. Honestly. Um, I don't know. It's just very admirable that you've done it for that long and not missed any days and have been that consistent. Cause I guess, like you said, um, you know, it's a non-negotiable, so you're doing it. So I've, I've started to you know, work with a, a golf coach, Josh Gregory, and he's, you know, all right, you know, Adam, you can do this in your swing. You can do this in your swing, whatever, but this is a non-negotiable. You have this thing. This thing has to be done every time. So I, I like that. I love that terminology. I do too. Yeah. That, that one allows you to cut out any bullshit reason that you wouldn't get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I've done them in some, in some funny places. I feel like if you have a couple of those in your life, you'll just end up building some resilience that you didn't realize you you could do. Um, hundred percent agree sort of thing. Um, well, that's cool. So are you, what's changed on that side of things for you? I think it's interesting to talk about because it seems like a lot of the guys on tour that are doing well, I've noticed it just seems a lot like a lot of you guys are spending time outside the gym, at least what I'm seeing outside the gym, worried a lot more about health, fitness, wellness, exercise, just being fitter off the course than it seems like it probably was normal even 10 years ago when we were, you know, high school and college. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, not getting hurt, um, you know, strength, endurance, um, not necessarily just walking 18 holes. Everyone can predict that pretty easily, but like, then you have to do it again tomorrow. Then you have to yeah. do it again on Saturday and Sunday and just like being able to recover, whether that's, you know, ice, you know, physical therapist, Norma techs, you know, going to the gym and getting a flush out or yeah, flush out, whatever you want to call it. Um, just getting things moving. And that's, you know, before and after I'm not so good at the before sometimes because when you tee off at seven, 10 AM, yeah. now you're getting up so early. So I'll try and do a little something, but nothing, nothing to the extent that a lot of the guys do. Um, but it's definitely become a part, you know, people are hitting the ball further than they've ever hit it nowadays. And, you know, golfers are just better athletes than they used to be. I mean, there's, there's less John Daly's. I mean, even John Daly, he is a freak athlete. Like he is so limber. Like is most he? people are, are not, you know, that athletically gifted. He like CC Sabathia, like back in the day when he was pitching, like he was a, a bigger guy and I would call him, you know, in shape, maybe it was in baseball shape and pitching shape, but like his ability to be so, um, you know, just athletic with the pitching motion and be able to do it over and over again and not get hurt. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just, you know, 
talent that he's been given that you don't almost you can't really teach it so mm-hmm. you have somebody else that isn't that talented that might not be in that great of shape you know they might not be as lucky um to just have that flexibility and have that just raw talent of how to move your body in a certain way where you can you know generate 125 130 mile an hour club head speed yeah no that makes a ton of sense it is interesting right because it tiger was like the first guy that i remember all of a sudden got jacked it, and then it, it kind of fell off it, it seemed like he was he was kind of an anomaly but now it does seem like you guys are all kind of just taking it a lot more seriously which is it's cool i feel like you see it on the course too like scores distances yeah. is all changing a lot distances for sure the equipment the equipment's i'd say the equipment and the ball the ball's probably done the most but guys are just guys are just in better shape now and i mean i've i've gotten better i have lots of room to improve so i'm i, I need to i need to use the shane white you know do this every day Hell yeah. just pick two things just do them every day you know start like you said starting small and just have two non have one non-negotiable for two weeks and just see if you can do it and yeah man, you should. so yeah. i always have room to improve in that area i don't love getting in the gym i love how i feel after i leave the gym but Yes. Once you're there, it's fine. It's just going is the hardest part. But I, I try and do something every day, whether that's, you know, mile or two mile run, you know, taking the dog or the dogs keep us, on the uh, assault bike, you know, rowing, oh, you yeah, know, that's go a row a thousand meters or something, you know, just do something, whether it's 15 minutes, just do something. That's all. I mean, that's the key. You got to move every day. The dogs do keep us more active. I swear the dogs are yeah. a good, a good way to yeah. You know, fit in activity when you don't normally have the time. What has been, um, what's been your go-to thing? So you, you kind of just change it up. So you do it. You said you run, you do some things in the gym. Do you have like yeah. a, a normal routine you're kind of following? I do. I've got, it's basically like a 30 minute, pretty light workout, like a, a either a run or a bike and then a row. And I've got some resistance bands. We have a little home gym set up in our garage that, um, is fine. Not a ton of equipment. I got like a squat, squat rack and some stuff. Nice. Uh, but just a lot of that. Nothing like super weight intensive. Just a lot of body weight stuff. Planks. Um, you know, some hanging knee raises. Um, a lot of pushing and pulling. You know, golf's yeah. not overly complicated. Hinging, you know, the hips, pushing and pulling, core strength. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to get in there and do it, um, yeah, which, yeah. which is the hardest part. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, dude, this has been sweet. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm pumped for you. So you got the, the U S open in a week. Um, and then what happens with the British? Is there a different qualifying process or how did, how do you get into that? I just have to probably have to have another one or two good finishes, one really good finish or two pretty good finishes. I think that'll get me close. Um, but honestly, I'm not exactly hundred percent positive. So okay. I'm just going to play good the next couple of times and see where that puts me. Hell yeah, man. That's all you can do. One day after the other, right? Just one day, one day. Start, top start, of the other. start stacking days. That's right. Where is the British Open this year? Do you know? I think it's, where did I read this? I should know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know. I'd be guessing and then that's, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, that, that must be a weird one too. Like I was thinking about the tour in general and then all of a sudden you have to fly overseas and play in a, this big European tournament that's like this enormous event. Like, I'm sure that's, that, that would be nuts. I never thought about it. Like how weird that is for you guys that are traveling around the U S from event to event. And then you just pop overseas. A lot of people will go a week early and play in the Scottish open. And then you're obviously a lot closer from Scotland. Okay. Um, so I'd say that's what most of the players do, but not all, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big, you know, big time change. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of travel, jet lag, all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely oh, matters. What was, what was the last question I wanted to ask you? It was around. Oh, I know what it was. Um, what's it been like? It's been cool to see you and Tyler Duncan both doing well on tour too. So Tyler, for people who are listening, I mean, you, I know you guys, you guys obviously are on the same golf team at Purdue. We all went to Purdue together. Um, and then Tyler, I mean, I always, I always knew who Tyler was just from high school golf because he played in a school not far from me. Um, mm-hmm. But how's that been? It's cool to have someone that you, you know, played high school golf, college golf, and now you're on tour together with. It's been awesome, honestly. Like, we're really good friends. We've been out on – got on tour at the same time. Um, we both have been on tour. Both have lost our cards. Both have got them back. So we, we haven't, like, been one year where – I've been on the web and he's been on the tour and vice versa. Um, so we both, you know, the last, this will be five years. And then next year um, we're both going to be on PJ tour again. So it'll be six years, you know, having one of your best buddies out there. So that's been really fortunate for me. He's, he's probably helped me more. Than I've helped him, but um, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a blessing, honestly, to just have that good a friend out there. Yeah. That man. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know you guys both lost your cards and got them back. When did that happen? I lost mine the first year okay, and went to corn Ferry finals and got him back. He lost his second year and went to corn Ferry finals. And in the last event, the last round, he shot like 65 and balled out and got it back. I mean, so to give everyone background too, Tyler, I remember, I think he, it was his senior year, maybe and you were, I'm sure you were there. It's funny. Cause I didn't know you then, but I didn't make the finals. I did. We like my team, uh, my high school team didn't make the state finals, but one of the players on my team made it as an individual in Indiana high school state finals. So I was there watching him and Tyler shot a, he shot a 63 at the legends. So he shot nine under, I mean, he was like broke the course record and in obviously one state that guy can, he can pull some low rounds. He's nuts. You know, something crazy. What's that? I played with him that round. Oh, did you really? State. Yeah, I played oh, with him that's only one so state. Funny. I didn't he was know a, that. He was a he was a junior and I was a freshman. Um yeah, he went to Columbus North. I I got my ass beat that day by Tyler. So Wait, I didn't he, know uh, he played with him. That's so I followed him for, I followed your group for a little bit. That's so funny. What a That small was the goal. one time the one time I made the cut state. I made it my freshman year, which was his junior, and I made it my junior year and missed the cut. But yeah, it was the I played with him that round because he broke the course record one state by two, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember remember a lot of the shots from that round, hit a lot of his shots in that round, a couple of mine. But God, it's interesting it. thinking now. Do you think it's funny probably for you guys now that you're playing these these courses you're playing and thinking back to like how hard that course felt when we were in high school? I'm sure now you guys could go back and shoot five, six, seven, eight, nine under easily. Oh, it's funny. It's funny how things change and you know, your perspective and your ability and your expectations change and you know, what you expect to yourself. So it's, uh, it's fun. To, I, I would like to go back and play the legend someday. Yeah. Um, just I would see too. if we remember the, the course. Yeah, for sure, man. That'd be a fun one. Well, that's awesome, man. I know, uh, I know you got to get rolling and, um, I appreciate it, man. I'm pumped for you. I will, I will, uh, you know, keep throwing down bets, keep an eye on you and see how you're doing. And I hope you crush it. I'm, I'm hoping you get a, let's hope you you win the u.s open i think that's what that's what we need to end this on you're gonna you're gonna that's go right. there, you're gonna fire it up you're gonna win somebody's gonna win might as well be me and we'll, hell yeah. uh, we'll go give them hell i'll try and catch that uh try and catch that top 40 for you yeah i bogey the last two holes i appreciate it 
<laughs> I, owe you, I owe you dinner. I owe you a boozy dinner at the very least. I, so. I think we need to do that anyway, just for, for old Absolutely. time's sake. But that I, I was, it was literally one of the funniest <laughs> things. I just couldn't believe it. I was just like 40. It was, I was like bogey bogey for a 41. I'm like, what are, what are the odds? Cause I placed that you have funny thing. I placed that bet on Monday before the tournament. I was like, he's going to be in the top 40. I just have this feeling he's going to do well this week. So it was like an early bet. It wasn't even like I, I placed it when it was midweek. Uh, it was right there early on. I'm like, that's pretty good accuracy, though. I will say it had to be like a plus plus three fifty. Um, that sounds right. Actually, it was probably three fifty or four. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I'm know. I'm a gambler, so I'm. I, I can. Play oh, are you? Good odds. Well, I mean, I mean, not on golf. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> good answer. Well, Adam Shank kicked off the tour. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I've just done it for long enough where it's probably not even a, you know, I, I can just you, do you, just you can do, place like, the odds, so you can guess the odds. Yeah, yeah. When, when I'm when I'm in Indiana, a lot of times you're traveling and you can't do it. Okay, so. I will be honest. I placed most of my bet was on you plus, so it was plus five hundred actually. Plus 500 okay. haters. I'm worse. Um, I'm worse than I thought. <laughs> I mean, or, yeah, these guys are dumber than you thought uh, for top 40. Uh, and then I, I actually placed even, I placed another smaller bet that you finished top 10. So, but I was close on the top 40, but no betting's fun. Well, this, this whole thing it's is uh, it's addicting. It is. It's fun. It's just, I mean, it's small little thing. Do you, do you guys ever exactly. bet? Like, do you guys on tour, if you're out playing like a practice round, do you guys ever bet? Are you, are you guys big betters on tour? Oh yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Golfers are golfers are gamblers and betters. Almost all of them. That's hilarious. You it's guys just go. Might... It's like poker. You can't play poker for no money. Like golf and poker, you have to play. And what are you doing if you're not like basketball? You can go and play a pickup basketball game for fun. Sure. You're not you know exchanging twenty bucks after a basketball game, but golf yeah. and you know poker, there has to be consequences. Right. So. No, that makes sense. What do you guys normally play for? Is it like serious money or is it just like fun? most time it's just fun money but like i mean you know because you're playing you're playing for a million a million five 1.5 every week so like yeah. you lose three or four hundred bucks like yeah it sucks but like i look at it as an investment and like all right i got my ass kicked i see what i need to work on now i'm struggling with this shot or this hole now i can go back and work on it and get better and that was just an investment and now i made the cut and finished 20th and you know just made 80 grand so that was a pretty good you know 400 bucks turned into 80 so that was Hell pretty yeah. uh pretty good investment but I usually play with Jonas Blix. Um, we'll play 100 a hole or 50 a hole. Okay. Because a lot of like... times you start out at 20 a hole, and then by the 10th hole, it's pressed to 100. So, like, all right, if we're going to get there, let's just start there. And yeah, then if you yeah. want to press, someone's really going to get hurt when you're playing <laughs> for a couple hundred a hole. But, you know, it's 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 all good fun. It, it, it probably all evens out in the end. But that's the way I look at, like, you know, a four or $500 loss, like a bad day is, hey, I got my ass kicked now happens all the time on a PJ tour. Yeah. Um, now I can go improve on this and, you know, turn that into, you know, bigger investment. You know, what's funny. I have never thought about this When Me and my buddies go play. I feel like we always play for, we'll do like the whole round, which is kind of dumb. You should do it by hole. Cause that makes every hole more interesting. Exactly. And then start like start at something where it makes it interesting rather than like making the last four or five holes, the most important just start, you know, start at 20 bucks a hole. Yeah. Where, you know, you press it. Now it's, you know, it's 40 bucks a hole. So it's like, ooh, not trying to lose $300 after paying for golf and drinking and yeah. you know, buying a $35 glove. Like, golf's already expensive. Uh -huh. But 
it's all fun. It's all that, fun. It, that would make a lot of fun. All right, I got a new idea now for my buddies who are listening to this. This is this is what we're gonna do next. Well, that's awesome, man. I know you got a lot coming up, so good luck at the U.S. Open. Hopefully, we also see you in the British Open and crush the rest of the season and get into the FedEx Cup. Um, and then when you get some downtime, we got to meet up. We got to play a little golf yes, or, or not. We would just go eat and hang hang out. Hanging out, come up to Chicago. My my man wife lived there for five years after school, so she I love it. She loves it, and we're always wanting to get back. Especially yeah. this time of year. Especially, Perfect. yeah. It's good this time of year. If you guys come in the fall, we can go to like a Cubs game or something. I know I missed you last time when you guys were here for the Purdue game. We were, I don't yeah. know, I forget what we had going on. We had something going on. We couldn't make it downtown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely do it, man. No worries. Will you keep up uh, your, 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 your lunch streaks and your streaks are really inspiring to me. And I'm sure I'm not the only person. So that's, appreciate uh, it, man. That's appreciate sick that, that you do that. And I'm going to, I'm going to go do my backward sled pulls. I, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tag you in today. I'm going to tag you in it yeah. and uh, you got to start yours. Yeah. Do, do some backwards sled pulls. Do I, even if do try to do 10 minutes in a row of just lunging, yep. do it, do it one time for me, but don't do it before the U S open. I don't want you to be all I'll sore. Do, I'll do it today. Day. That way I have time to recover or just do five minutes. I just want to get your reaction to, to how yeah. hard I want to know how hard you think it is or is not. I'm very curious because you're, you okay. being a golfer walking a lot. I'm curious, but I really do think do it could help minutes. with your lower back. It could strengthen yeah. stuff. If all of a sudden you start getting 15, 20 more yards in your drive, I want to get a, I want to get a tag. Absolutely. (laughs) I've been doing lunges. Shane White. (laughs) Come on, man. Shane White show. Hell yeah. What your show's called? Yeah, I changed it. Um, It it was, it was simply finance for forever. And then it just, it started becoming so much more than finance. So the first time I had you on, we talked a little bit more about just like the business behind golf. Um, but I wanted to keep it a little more open ended, like the name, just so I can get a, a wider variety of people on here. Um, I felt like there's a lot, not that I was getting no's, but the name being so finance focused, it was, it did give people kind of a, a preconceived notion about what we're talking about. And I really, it, it, I always have different ideas about what we should talk about. So yeah. what's cool though, hopefully by the time you come, um, the, the i'm in the basement this is going to become a bigger office and i'm actually putting in like a studio for the podcast with live so we can like do it in person and cool. it's going to be love all that. over here it'll be cool so hopefully next time you're in chicago you just come to the house we can do a live one it'd be fun you can drink and we'll do it live we'll do it live do it live <laughs> <laughs> things suck okay, let's do it live that's amazing anyway all right, buddy. Cool, well, man. thanks for thanks for having me on, and we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah, best All luck right. to you guys. See you. Thanks, you too, man. Good luck. See you.